great God. Man, what a great song. Mm, such a good God. Amen. If you bow your head with me here tonight, we're going to try to preach tonight, preach this message. Man, it's good to feel the presence of the Lord, is it not? Goodness gracious. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 18 through 20, this is what Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. And again, more importantly, God is speaking to us tonight. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. Praise God. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen. If you would pray with me tonight. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve tonight. Lord, we love You and we praise You and we honor You and we thank You tonight, God, for Your presence. We're thankful, Lord, that we can come together collectively as a body of believers in the freedom that we have to lift up and praise Your name tonight with no hindrances at all. God, we thank You for that. We recognize that it's through the freedom of Jesus that You have given us and the grace that we live in this great country that we're able to do that. And God, we thank You for it. We ask tonight, Lord, that You would help us, Lord, not to hold back that worship, not to hold back that praise, God, but to give it to You with all of our hearts and with all of our minds and with all of our souls. In fact, God, as Your Word says, with everything that's within us, tonight, God, we want to praise You and glorify Your great name. Because it is You who lives in us, Jesus. We don't live within ourselves anymore. We died out to those things, as Brother Paul said, and now we live in You, Jesus, for the glory of the Father tonight. God bless Your people tonight, Lord, as we continue in our worship. Continue, Lord, in diving into Your Word. We pray, God, that every word that is said, Lord, would not fall to the ground, but, God, that every one of them, Father, would touch the hearts of each one of us here today and not return to You void. But, Father, we'll praise You and honor You for it tonight, for it's in Your matchless and holy and precious name we pray tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I don't know, but... Look, can we sing one more? Can we sing that one more time? Just a little bit more of that. Amen. Man, I love it. Praise God. Praise God. Love my Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Mercy's sakes. We'll dismiss our children, our teachers. Gosh, if you got your Bible, we'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Y'all pray for me that I stand right here. It's going to be all right. Man, we serve a great God, do we not? I'm just sitting here, just, just sitting here thinking, you know, I'm just so uh, blown away that that song says, that He saved a sinner like me. Amen. If He can save me, He can save anybody. Amen. I believe we could all say that. If He can save me, He can save anybody. Uh, I just get tickled to people that say, well, I've just done too much to be saved by Jesus. That ain't right. Amen. It ain't not right at all. God can save you if you'll just let Him. Amen. If you'll dive into it. So tonight, the message I read to you in the book of Galatians here, chapter 2, verse 18 through 20. Uh, the title of this message is, uh, of course, we're embarking upon a month here where we will see this celebrated, and it's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s statement, I have a dream. And I want to talk about that here today. I really believe as I was reading Galatians chapter 2, 
here 18 through 20, guess God revealed something to me and I had the opportunity today to, to have a conversation about an hour long with an individual. And uh, man, a lot of this just kind of resonated throughout that conversation. And uh, so I'm going to bring it to you the way God's laid it on my heart. Is that all right? So here Paul, Paul is saying to the church at Galatia, For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, he said, through the law died to the law that I might live to God. Those two verses really, really grabbed my heart. And the message that God laid on my heart for Gethsemane Church at least and everybody that's watching online uh, was just for this particular statement where Dr. King said, I have a dream. And the question that God asked me was, Mark, are you chasing your dreams or are you chasing my dreams? Amen? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You know, all our lives we've been taught, right, to lay hold on our dreams. And we should. And I understand the statement and it's important for us to do so. In fact, when you think about the definition of a dream, the very definition of a dream is, is something that, that we long for. It is a very lofty thought, right, of something that we would love to obtain or attain. But usually, it's something that is, is far out there and less likely to be achieved because we set that standard or that dream is so large that in a lot of cases, people never attain those dreams. But nonetheless, we dream. Is that right? We all have thoughts and aspirations of doing better than what we have done and to do greater things. Okay? And so this is where I was at with this, and I thought about it, and I thought about dreams, and I was talking to this individual, and I said, you know, the two greatest fears that I have in this life Two greatest is that I'm going to die one day and I'm not going to achieve all that God had for me to achieve. I'll be honest with you guys and transparent. You've heard me before say this. That scares me to death. That I'm not going to achieve all that God has for me to achieve. And I know the answer. And most people will say, well, Mark, when you die, it's finished. You've done all you're supposed to do. But I don't know about that. I don't know. I think there's a lot of folks that probably leave this world and never attain all that God had for them. Right? That we never reach the dreams that God has for us. That's one of the things that scares me to death. The other thing that scares me is burying either one of my children before I die. I'm being honest. Those are two things that scare me in this life. I'm not fearful of dying. As I said to you last week, I've never done it, but I know where I'm going. I have confidence in that through Christ. But those are the two things that bother me. And so I was talking to this individual, and we were talking about dreams, and, and this is a very successful person I was talking to, and I said, you know, failure is defined differently amongst all of us, right? We all have dreams and we all have thoughts and if we don't achieve those things, we see failure differently. Some people see failure as, well, if I don't have a large bank account, then I have not succeeded in life. I have failed in my dreams. Some people say, well, if I don't raise my children correctly, then I feel like I have failed, right? Or I have not reached my dreams, my fullest potential, and so on and so forth. We all have different things that we feel like we have dreams and aspirations toward that maybe we would see ourselves either as successful or as failures, dreams, personal dreams. And we chase those dreams. But listen, what God revealed to me was is it's good to achieve those things because it gives us self-gratification. We feel like we've done something positive, right? We've done something with our lives. But did you know that if you and I achieve our dreams in this life, again, nothing wrong with it, but that dream's only successful until you and I die. Amen? It is self-gratifying to ourselves and it makes us feel really good about achieving that thing. But once we're gone, that dream goes with us. But when we achieve God's dreams, it's eternal. Amen? 
and it is life impacting and it lasts through the generations. Amen? Lasts through the generations. I would say to you that on August the 28th, 1963, when Dr. King stood there, I don't believe he was talking about his own dreams and aspirations. I believe that was inspired by God for this man to do what he did. Change the face of our country, change the face of the world, and it's being, we feel the impact of it today. He lived a miserable life because of it. In fact, it cost him his life. Amen? But he was driven by something greater than himself. It wasn't just himself that was driving him because a mere mortal person couldn't have under that kind of stress. If you go back and look at his life, but it was God that was driving him. There was an anointing behind that, right? And it takes us over to Jeremiah 29 and 11 that all of us talk about all the time. And it proves to us that God has dreams and aspirations for you and I. Right? He said He has a plan for us. Thoughts, right, of good and not of evil to, to help us to prosper and do good and not fail. God has plans. It's not just a statement. It's not just a, something that He just wanted to fill the pages up of the Bible because He was out of something to say. He really, really has dreams and aspirations. I want to talk to you parents. Do you have dreams and aspirations for your children? Absolutely. All of us do. We all want our children to achieve great things in this life, and all of us, again, have different thought processes as to what we think that great thing could be. Most of us would just want to make sure that our children, you know, aren't uh, sanitation workers. We want them to be doctors and lawyers and all those things, right? But look, it doesn't matter if you're a sanitation worker, if you're doing it to the best of your ability and God's called you to do it, right? You see what I'm saying? It's, we all just have different levels of what those dreams and aspirations are. And if our children don't reach those dreams and aspirations, then we're disappointed, right? Because we felt like they had so much more potential. We look at our children and we see the potential in them, even though they don't see it themselves. Amen? Somebody did that same thing with us, right? We, people look at us and saw potential that, they, that we didn't see ourselves, and they're trying to say, look, I see great potential. And we usually look at them and say, yeah, you're just saying that because you're trying to make me feel good. But really, I think a lot of people really do see things that you and I can't see. And so they're disappointed if we don't hit those dreams or those aspirations. Well, God's no differently, right? He is he's the father of us all, is that right? He's the one that created us, and he knew when he made, when he made uh, Janice Holsclaw. He knew what you would be in life. He had dreams and aspirations for Sister Nana, as I call her, right? He had dreams and aspirations for you, Chris. He's got dreams and aspirations for all of us. And you've heard me say last week that, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Where we're fearfully and wonderfully made, so we can look in the mirror and say, oh, I'm just all that, right? That's not what it's talking about. Fearfully and wonderfully made is you were made... For such a time as this, amen, right now, wherever you are in your life, you were made to achieve whatever that greatness was that God wanted you to achieve. Dr. King achieved his. Paul achieved his. Peter achieved his. So on and so forth. All of us have been given the same ability and the same, the same things he placed in us to make sure that we are successful and not failures. The word failure is not in God's vocabulary, Amen. We are victorious in Christ. We are not losers in Christ. We are victorious in Him. As I said last week, we're, made, we're more than conquerors. We are overcomers according to 1 John chapter 5. Amen? Because Jesus overcame. So when you look at this message here today, and I love that Paul starts out with this in Galatians, if I go back and build those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. He said, you know, so if I'm going back and doing the things that Paul wanted to do, right, my dreams and my aspirations, then I have failed God, right, because it's about me and not about God. I would venture to say to you tonight, if you get nothing else out of this message, if our heart's desire 
would be greater for God's dreams to be fulfilled rather than me fulfilling my dreams, I think you'd fulfill your dreams. Amen? And beyond. Is that right? Kind of like old Buzz said, to infinity and beyond. Amen? Far beyond what, what we could ever have imagined in this life. Most of our, our dreams are so, we think they're so big and we think that they are so large and they're so vast that there's no way we can achieve those things. Listen, we are more than that, amen? We can, we can achieve far greater than anything we can even fathom in our minds. Did you know that God probably, they know probably, God has greater dreams for you and I than we could even think of in our minds. Far greater than any of us could ever imagine. We wouldn't even think of those things because it's so much farther than we would even think that ourselves could even achieve. Because the dreams that we have, we don't think we can achieve them. How in the world can we achieve the ones that God would have us to achieve? You see what I'm saying? I'm sure that one day when Saul was walking around and he had goals and aspirations of what he was going to do, right? Some of his goals and aspirations was to stomp out this Christian movement, amen? This Jesus thing, right? This Jesus following, right? He was going to make sure that he stomped that out. And he had dreams and aspirations of that but man, God talked to him on the road to Damascus and showed him his dreams for him, amen? And I'm sure it was far greater than anything he could have made. He never even dreamed of that, amen? amen? And man, he turned out to be one of the greatest apostles that you and I know, lifting up the name of Jesus everywhere that he went. Done great things for Christ. Probably never even thought about it, Sister Beth. Never crossed his mind. And so that's what I want us to think about tonight. You know, we, 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 really, we really put God in a box sometimes and we really say, well, Lord, I think if little old me can achieve little old this, then I would be little old successful. Is that right? Just little old me. But God don't see us as little old me. He says, sees us as his child. Man, you, you and I are children of the Most High God. You and I have him in us. Man, his DNA is in every single one of us. Amen? Amen? His DNA is in us. His blood is in us. His oxygen is in us. He placed us here to achieve that great thing. Whatever that was and whatever that is that God's got for you. And the answer tonight is lay hold on that thing. Is that right? Lay hold on. Well, Mark, I don't know what God's dreams are for me. Well, we need to be asking, don't you think? Is that right? If God said, I have dreams for you and we all know God, then doesn't it make sense we should be asking Him, what is it? Because if He has dreams for us, they're not just thoughts and they're not just, they're not just candy canes and lollipops. It's achievable. And God wants us to achieve it, but you've got to know what it is in order to achieve it. Is that right? And here's the key. We can't achieve it in and of ourselves. It's beyond that. Amen? You've got to, have, you've got to connect His dreams with His anointing and we've got to place that with us who has a determination to please Him. And when you do that... Great things are going to happen. Amen? Great things are going to take place. So let's look at this tonight. If you have your Bible, I want to go to Philippians chapter 3 with me, verse 7 through 14. As I said to you, the question that God asked me was, Mark, are you trying to achieve your dreams or do you want to achieve the dreams that I have for you? That is the question. So we're looking here in Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul again now speaking to the church at Philippi. And here's what he says. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted as lost for Christ. My dreams, the things that I thought that were gained to me, he said, he counted all those things 
as lost for Christ. In essence, I laid my dreams down for His dreams. Is that right? Amen. I laid down what I want, God, what my thought process is, all the things that I dream of in life, and I recognize that all those things are nothing but loss. But to gain would be through you, Jesus, and what you would have me to do. It took me back to the passage where he said that if we're going to be his followers, we've got to do what first? Deny ourselves. Isn't it what Jesus said? Deny yourselves first and then take up your cross, right? Then come after me. Then follow me. God, I lay myself aside, self meaning everything that I am and everything that I want to be, everything that I can see myself as, I lay that to the side. And now I look towards you, right? And I want to be what you want me to be. You know, Luke was a doctor, if you go back and look at that, right? History tells us that Luke was a doctor. Luke laid aside his dreams as a doctor that he would now become a theologian of Jesus. Amen? He would be a follower of Jesus. He laid aside what he wanted to do in life to follow Christ. All the apostles did the same. Followers of Christ put Jesus first and they know that He knows what's best for them. So Paul here says, these things that I used to count as gain, I now see them as loss. In other words, they don't mean as much to me anymore. Those of you that, have a, that are like me, who, as Brother Joey says, that we're in our metallic years, you'll know what I'm talking about. Right? Oh, let me tell you, metallic years means you have gold in your teeth, silver in your hair, and lead in your rear end. We're in our metallic years. Amen. You know what I'm talking about. The older I get, things that I used to see as gain, I now see as loss. Amen? I'm not concerned about all the things I used to be concerned about. I'm not really concerned about how I look necessarily. I'm not, I'm not concerned about how much money I have anymore. I'm not concerned about this, that, or the other. I'm now concerned about whether or not my family knows Jesus Christ, and that is honest to God's truth. I'm now concerned more about whether or not you know, I'm going to be able to live long enough to see God achieve or God's plans just unfold before my eyes that He's shown to me the vision of this church. Right, I've told you this is great, but this isn't it. There's more to it. Those of you that have been around me and had me talk to you a little bit more about what God laid on my heart several years ago, there's so much more to that, right? I have all kinds of things that I really want to see God do. And I want to be a part of it. I want to be around it. I want to see God do great things. So Paul said, these things are now lost to me, and you now, Christ, are gained. He said, yes, in verse 8, indeed, I also count all things lost for what? The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Come on now, can I get a witness? Let me, let me read that to you again. He said, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I want to know more about my Jesus. Amen. That's what he said. I don't really want to worry about how many cows and how many pigs I got. I'm not worried about how many, how many acres of property I've got. I'm not worried about how much money I'm laying up in CDs and IRAs and, and all these things. He said, I'm no longer worried about that. Tell me a little bit more about my Jesus. Amen. This is where Saul was. Saul was at a point in his life right here where he said, you know, that stuff don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not worried about the plastic surgery so people think I'm all that in a bag of chips. He's not worried about right, all the things that you and I worry about in this life. Saul said, man, I have come to a realization. And the reason he came to the realization was he stood face to face with Jesus Christ. Amen? He was changed. He was forever changed. Man, that would preach by itself. There's a lot of folks that say they've been changed by Jesus, but if you ever ran face-to-face -face into that dude, you are changed. Amen? 
There is not a maybe. There is not a possibly. I get tickled at people that come to me and say, well, I think I'm saved. <laughs> Listen, don't get me preaching. If, you, if you've ever been saved, you know you're saved. They know maybe. Is there possibly? You ever anybody tell you that? I guess because I'm a preacher, I gotta, you know, they, they just know. I, start, I just go up to them and ask them, hey, can I have two hot dogs? Right, you walk up, I'm going to ask them about two hot dogs. They say, oh yeah, I, li- I, I go to church, I pay my tithes. I'm gonna... I didn't ask you all that. I just want two hot dogs. Right? But when we get into the city, I say, well, are you saved? Well, I think I am. I'm like, well, what do you mean you think you are? Well, when I was seven, you know, I got baptized. I said, I asked you, was you baptized? I asked you, was you saved? Is that right? If you've ever been truly saved, you know it. Is that right? I remember the day I can take you where I was when Jesus saved me. It impacted my life. It changed my world. And I ain't been the same since. I have not been the same. I'm not the same man as we sing that song that I used to be. Amen, somebody? If I'm the same man I used to be, then was I really changed? The very definition of change means you are no longer what you used to be. Is that right? You know, the old chameleon is the great example of that, is he not? He was green, now he's brown. Now he's purple. You see what I'm saying? But he goes back to what color? Green. So was he changed? No. He wasn't changed. He just had the ability to make people think he was changed. Is that right? Come on, somebody. That's all. But a leper's spots always come back. Don't they? Only Jesus can change those spots. He's the only one to take the spots away and make you pure. Is that right? Only one. So Paul here says, Yet indeed I also count all things for loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Man, I have understood that the only thing that matters is Jesus. Amen. Him. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The King James, I love King James on that. Dung. Do, do. For all y'all from, not from Hodges. We're sophisticated in Hodges. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may what? Gain, win Christ. Is that right? He said, this Jesus, this Jesus, he said, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He was, this wasn't a pity party statement. I would say that like, this, the excellency of Jesus Christ, whom I've suffered everything, lost it all. You know, that, that's not what Paul said. He meant it differently. He said, I have suffered the loss of all things because I wanted to. Amen. That's a statement. And count them as rubbish. They are absolutely nothing when you compare them to what I gain in Christ. Yeah. Is that right? Can you see now why our dreams really don't matter when it compares to Jesus? Because if you've got Jesus, you know the statement what? You have everything. That's more than a bumper sticker, baby. That's a truth. If you have Jesus, you and I have everything. We got more than everything. We got more than what you and I could ever, ever dream and accomplish. 